All right, we're doing Daf Lamed Beis. We are starting from the top line, right at the top of the Lamed. Says the Gemara, Tana Rabbanan, Poseach for Roah. In person, we're talking about somebody getting an Aliyah. So what's the Halacha? The Halacha is that before you're going to start, the Torah should be opened up, unroll the Torah, and you should see, you should see what? You should see the spot where you're going to start reading. Pashup Shad, the reason why you should see the spot is to minimize hefsek. In other words, when you're going to start reading, if you're going to suddenly, you know, you have the bracha already made and then you're scrambling to look for the spot, so it takes a little bit of a break. So you want to, before the bracha is made, you want to make sure you know where you're going to be reading from. So therefore, before you make the bracha, you want to open up the Sefer Torah and look at the spot that you're going to start reading. Golo Mavarech. But then before you actually make the bracha, you should roll the Sefer Torah together, close it, and make the brachos while it is closed. And then you open it up after the bracha, and then you read it again. This is the words of Rameir. So Rameir is saying two points. Number one is you have to take a look at where the aliyah is going to be before you make the bracha. But number two is, Rabbi Meir's opinion is that while the bracha is being made, the Sefer Torah has to be closed. Whereas Rabbi Yehuda disagrees. You open up the Torah, you look where you're going to read. So he agrees to the first point that you should see where the aliyah is going to begin before the bracha is made. But while the bracha is made, um, it can be open. There's no requirement, according to Rabbi Yehuda, to roll it together before you make the bracha. So according to Rabbi Yehuda, the bracha, you say the bracha while the Sefer Torah is open. According to Rabbi Meir, the first opinion had to be closed. So which opinion makes more sense to us? So the Quran says, my time to Rabbi Meir. What is Rabbi Meir's reason? Meaning, with, intuitively, you have no reason to, to think that the, that the Torah has to be closed. So Rabbi Yehuda's position that, it, that, that you just leave it open makes more sense. And, and, and it's specifically because it's going to definitely, definitely even minimize the hefzik. Remember, that's the whole reason you're looking inside to begin with is because you want to immediately start reading after the bracha. So why would you close it up for the bracha? What's the pshat here in Rabbi Meir's reason? So the Gemara says, because Ula is like something Ula said. Ula said a different context. We're going to borrow from something Ula said and apply it over here to Rabbi Meir. To Amr, Ula ben Amr. What's the reason that they said? That somebody who's reading the Torah is not allowed to help the translator. Right? Remember, that's Takanas Ezra. Um, that uh, that we don't do this anymore, but the Akana says was that when we read from the Torah, there's the Metorgum on the translator who translates Pasuk by Pasuk. There's a break, the, the Kore, the reader of the Torah, the Bakor reads a Pasuk, and then there's a translator next to him who reads. So the Allah is, Ula said, that, that the Chachamim taught that the person who's the Balkori is not allowed to help the translator. Let's say the translator gets stuck on a word or two. You know, he's not sure what the word in the Torah means or he forgot the word that was read. The Balkori cannot be the one to assist him and tell him what the word is in Aramaic. Why is the reason? Ula explained, We don't want people to make a mistake and say that you know why the Balkori knew it and the Metorgamon did not. The reason is because the translation was written inside of the Torah. So the Balkori, the Balkori who saw looked inside, so he was able to see what the translation was. We don't want people to, getting that mistake, making the impression that the translation can be written, because it can't, right? If you're really not allowed to write anything else in the Sefer Torah, even if you've got every letter perfectly, you're not allowed to add the translation. So somebody could think that that would be okay when totally a Sefer Torah cannot be okay that way. That's why there's a halacha that the Balkore is not allowed to assist the one translating. Achanami, so too, in regard to the brachos, we don't want people to say that the brachos are written inside of the Torah. Yeah. Somebody would keep the Torah open while the brachas are being made. What would the mistake be? Oh, he's reading the brachas. The brachas are in the Torah. Maybe it says at the top of the margin or something, you know, the bracha asher bacharbanu for convenience. We don't want people to think that you're allowed to do such a thing. You're going to stop instead of buying those cards, right? They'll assume, you know, it's written in the Torah and everything's good. We don't want people to have that mistake because it's not allowed to be written in the Torah. So therefore, we have to close the Torah. 
So now that all makes sense, and everybody agrees to what Ula said, everybody agrees to that din of the Balkhori not telling the translator the words because people might get the wrong impression it's in the Torah. The Machlok is now about the Bracho. So now the Gemara turns the other way, Verb Yehuda. How does Rabbi Yudah justify himself? Rabbi Yudah agrees that the Balkhari can't assist the translator, but he does still say that the brachos can be made while the Torah is open. So what's the pshat? Why isn't that inconsistent? Why is Rabbi Yudah not concerned that someone will say that the brachos are written in the Torah? So the Gemara tells us, Targum, Ikalimite. By the translation, there's a place for a mistake. Brachos, Ikalimite. By the brachos, there's no place for a mistake. What's the vart over here? Rashi explains that, no, come on, everybody knows that no bracha is written in the Sefer Torah. Why don't, why don't people know that, that that translation is not written in the Torah? I don't know. It's hard to know why, why people make mistakes. You know, what, what, obviously, it's veering off the truth. But for some reason, it's a simpler truth that everyone is aware of that the brachos are not written in the Torah. So Rabbi Yudha simply is not concerned for that at all. He's not, he's not conscious of that, of, that, of that issue. Like, what, I have to be careful to make sure someone's not going to think the Torah, that someone's going to think the brachos in the Torah? No way, no one would ever think that. Masha'in gain. The translation is something that people are 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 may make a mistake in, and therefore he agrees to that halacha. So how do we paskin? So this is where things are interesting. You open up the Sefer you see where the aliyah is going to start, and you make the bracha. You don't have to close it. In other words, we paskin like the Rabbi Yehuda, like the lenient position that the Torah could be open. So the Gemara has a question in Rebbe Why did he say, you make the bracha, you look and you make the bracha? Why, why didn't he just say the halacha is like Rebbe Why does he say the law again? He says the Gemara, there were different versions about who said what. We have that Rebbe Meir says it should be closed and Rebbe says it could be open. But there were alternative traditions, there were alternate traditions where people were saying that Rebbe Meir said it could be open and Rebbe said it should be closed. So Rebbe didn't want to just say the halacha is like Rebbe He wanted to be clear about what Rebbe position was. He wanted to make sure that you, you get the law. The law is, is that the Sefer Torah that could be open at the time that the bracha is made. And that is the maskana of the Gemara. Now, everybody knows that we don't do that, right? Everybody doesn't we don't do that. So Tysus already has the kasha. What's the pshah? What's going on? So Tysus seems to say that it just means that, you know, bidiyevit um, could work. Bidiyevit, it could work when the Sefer Torah is open. There's no, in other words, it's not like usher. It's not usher to, to say the brachas while, while, while it's open. But it could be it's still preferable. Rebita would still agree that it's preferable, which is an interesting thing. Like, it's a little bit out of left field. But I was making at the end, the in the Gemara saying is that you can make the bracha when it's open. However, Taisa says there isn't a sensitivity. And now today, you know, we see different practices. Either on the one hand, you close it, but by the end of the bracha, you open it. Or other people keep it open and just turn their face to the side. Mr. Brewer mentions that as well. That's also very valid. But again, because Me'ikar Adin, there really is no din that the Sefer Torah should be closed when you're making the bracha. Continues the Gemara, Amar Abzeir, Amar Master. Abzeir said a different thing. Haluchos, the luchos. So what are luchos? Some sort of board. What kind of board? So Rashi seems to say that it's like, it's like the, the, the outer layer of a book. Like you have pages inside, not a scroll, and then the pages are held together by some sort of boards, like really old-time books. So the luchos, which is like the boards around, around the content of the Torah, or the bimos. The bimos are... Like some sort of platform, right? That Rashi says, like, you know, by Hakka, they used to make the, a special platform for the king to stand on um, and while he was uh, saying the Torah. So, so the Bima, where he, would, where, he, where, he would, where he would stand on to read the Torah, so these things don't have Kedusha, but there's no Kedusha on them. Um, it's not like an, an item of sanctity. So the Gemara continues. When someone is rolling together, say for Torah. You should put it, you should close it on the tfar. The tfar is the, 
is the stitching. When you have two columns and then there's a stitching which, can, which um, combines them, right? Those, those sinews of the seams between one, one piece of parchment and the next. So what's the point? What does it mean you should put it on the seam? It means that you should be careful that it's centered, right? You should, it, the seam is centered there between the two rolls of the Torah. So you have the rolls of the Torah and then there's a parchment. So you want to make sure that it's nicely centered the, 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 the seam is nicely centered. It's not pulled and tugged to either, to either direction, to either, to, either, to either roll. Why is that? So the Pashup shot is, is that it just makes sure that it will never, it will never start to tear. Um, we always want, you know, there's, there's always a concern with this. Like if it's like you pull too tight and it starts to tear, we want it to always to tear on the seam, never to tear on the parchment, right? It's always a part of it. So basically, it seems that that's the best way to make sure if any tearing would happen, that no bigger issue would occur. So therefore, when, you, when you're rolling the Torah, you're supposed to try to have that the seam is in the middle, position centered between the two rolls. Says the Gemara, another din, Amar Rav Shvati, Amar Torah. Somebody is rolling a Sefer Torah. Now, I don't know if you've ever done this. I've never done this in my life, but the, the case where the guy, the guy has no friend helping him. So he's rolling a Sefer Torah by himself. Okay, that maybe we have had. But specifically, the way he's doing it is that he's putting it on his lap, and one roll, he's not doing it side by side, one in his right arm, he's actually holding it in his lap. One roll is up by his body, like up against his stomach, let's say, and one is being held like by his knees. Does that make sense? In other words, so let's say that one end of the Sefer Torah is here, the other Sefer Torah is like this, and he's holding it this way. So he's got one end here, and he's got one end here. And the question is, which end, how does he roll it? So we say, you should roll it from the outer roll. The, the roll which is further away from him, let's say by his knees. He shouldn't roll it from the inner roll, the one that is closer to him. What's the shot? So if you're, in, in, when you're rolling the outer one, to, in other words, when you're rolling the outer one, you're making sure that it's making any additional sections of the parchment it's going to take. And the point is that the inner one is, is, is really, it's kind of, it, it's not doing much, you know, it's kind of passive, right? That one on the outside is the one that's mo- the moving, the moving roll. And by doing that, if you were to do it the other way, you'd roll the inner roll, then there would be a very big danger of the outer roll, which would fall, would like unravel. That's the point. You don't want that to happen and fall out of his lap and fall on the ground. So you're just basically being more secure because you're, you're, you're having the outer one doing the movement and, and, and therefore it's not, it's less of a danger that the safer Torah would fall when you're doing it in such a way. It's interesting. I would never think of rolling a Torah that way, right? It's like, it's a, it does, it seems like a dangerous thing to do to begin with, but that is the scenario that the Gemara is discussing. So it's giving that advice that you should roll the outer one. When you're tightening it, meaning then you basically get to the right spot. And now you're right at the tightening, right? You're right at the last point where you're trying to like, you know, just make sure it's at the perfect spot. Then you should tighten it from the inner roll. But not from the outer roll. What's the shot here? Because once you get to the right spot and now you want to close it up and put it back in the Aron, put the roll, the inner one towards the outer one. Because if you do the outer one to the inner one, then you're going to reach over the part of the Torah, the open with your arm, and, 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 and now blocking it from everybody who sees it. So, whoa, 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 what's the Indian? Well, what's this thing? Okay, you're not supposed to block it from the people who are seeing it. So it seems, and this is where all the raid starts, that this is the point that when you're tightening the Sefer Torah, people should see what was read. So here it seems like we're talking about a galila after the people were using the Torah. That's what it seems like. People had used the Torah, we had read from the Torah, B'tzibor or something like that. And now, and now you're rolling. And why exactly you're rolling it this way on your lap and you're the only guy, not super clear to me. But at this point now, when you're doing it, you want to make sure that people are able to see the section of the Torah which was read. So when you get, when you're in general, you're rolling it, okay, so you roll it, 
not, not the exact portion of the in general, you roll it in the outer one, as we said, to make sure it doesn't fall. But when you're tightening it right at the last little bit, you want to make sure that, the, that there's an exposure of the part of the section in the Torah, which was just read. So this is very difficult to put in practical terms. We know we do a very different sort of, you know, hagva. we got one guy picking it up and then we got a different guy doing the galila, a whole different thing. It doesn't seem like that's what's going on here. It seems like it's more like a one-man job and a one-man show and he's trying to figure it out. And the point is, the one important takeaway, which I think we should take away the halacha, is that when there is a hagva galila done, the people should be looking at the section, or at least being able to see the section of the Torah, which was just read. That's the main takeaway here from the Gemara. The Gemara, it seems like they're having some sort of interesting thing with the one-man job and how he's closing it and making sure he's not covering covering it when he's moving with the outer roll. But for us, I guess the main point is that we are able to see that section. All right. Says the Gemara, And again, why did these customs change in the way we do the Galila? I don't know. You know, without the awesome one guy picking up and one guy rolling, you know, one guy... Things just changed. I'm not sure exactly the history of it. When 10 people have read from the Torah. So meaning, let's say a group of 10 people are reading. It doesn't mean that there were necessarily 10 aliyos. It just means that there were 10 people because you need, you need a minion for Kriyas Torah. So 10 people gathered together for Kriyas Torah. Who, who should do the galila? Okay? And the galila doesn't just mean what we call galila. Galila means the whole, the whole matzah, the whole hagla galila thing. So he, he's the greatest one, should be the one to roll the Torah together. It's like the biggest... The biggest one. So the Shaila is, in today's day and age, when we have Hagva Galila separate, right? The Gemara is saying it's like the most Chashev thing, right? So in our day and age, when we have a Hagva separate from a Galila, which one is more Chashev, right? We're saying in the Gemara, oh, the grace of Skulas from the Galila. So who's the Galila today? Right? So we have the two mad jobs. Does it mean both? Does it mean just that? I think we assume it means just the Hagva today. It's interesting to think about, again, the deviation in the way we practice. So the Gemara is saying that the most Chashev one should be the one to roll the Sefer Torah together. Says the Gemara Golo, Notos Charkula, and the one who rolls it, you know what part of it, you know, as he's explaining it, he's going to get this car of everybody. And the one at the end who rolls it, he gets all the reward. What's the Pshat? Presumably it's like, you know, it's like you're being Mechavi the Torah the most. There's one thing to learn the Torah, but then at the end when you pick it up and you, you roll it, so that's kind of like the most... The most significant, um, uh, the most significant of all. So anyway, so he gets it. Sounds like in the Gemara, literally, he takes everybody else's schar. So everybody comes to learn, but no one walks out with any schar. Only the guy who did glue at the end gets schar. So the Gemara says that doesn't make sense. It's not fair. The reward of all of them, what he takes away. Everybody who came to learn doesn't get any reward because the guy who rolled the Torah together at the end took it away. Ella rather It means he gets a reward which is equal to all the reward to all the rewards of the other people. So meaning all the other people, of course, they get reward. But the guy who's goal at the end, he gets a reward that's equal to all of the other participants. So it's a tremendous chus, and that's why we give it to the Gadol. Continues the Gemara. How do we know? Where do we see in a pasuk that you can use a basko? Totally new random halacha. Basko, the daughter of the voice, right? So it's not. It's like a, a derivative of Hashem's voice, a basko, like the daughter of Hashem. And how do we know that this thing from that these baskels are we're supposed to be meant to use them? Shinamar says your ears will hear something from behind you saying. So it's a Pasak in Yeshaya. So it's talking about you know something describing the ways of Mashiach, but we say that that's a general reference to Basko. Says the This is only true if you hear a man's voice in the town of Kolitzabadabra or a female voice in the field. in hin, and even then. It's only if it says yes, yes, or love, love, or it says no, no. It's interesting that it's like more like it's supposed to be an unusual, 
unusual sense of a sound. So a female in the field is unusual, but why is a male voice in the town unusual? Right? It's not so clear. So maybe the idea is that it's usually like drowned out. You normally can't hear it so distinct. It's like a crowded market, you know, and you're hearing a, uh, something clear. Maybe that's the idea here in the Gemara. So the point is, it's, a, it's, it's like an unusual, rare, distinct sounding voice. And it's saying hin hin or, or lav lav. Then we're supposed to use it. We're meant to, you know, make sure it definitely has meaning that it's Ben Hashemai. Says the Gemara Shvater of Yochanan again, just quoting things from him. When somebody reads the Torah without a good sound, so what does that mean? So Rashi says, and he doesn't do it with the tra, or he 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 learns Mishnah and he doesn't sing. It seems like they used to have like a certain uh, a certain song. So what's the pshat? Beautiful thing is that to, remember Mishnah is meant to be learned by heart, ideally. So how do you remember things? You remember things much better if they're in song. So they used to have songs to the Mishnah. So somebody who learns the Mishnah without the song. Hashem says, I gave them things that weren't good. Right? So in other words, it's like a, it's like a sad thing. That I, like a, we, don't, we don't appreciate the business we have. Hashem's looking at us like, I gave them things which weren't good. And I, was, I gave them the beautiful Korean Torah. They don't do it with the sound. And they do it with the Mishnah. They don't do it with the sound. I understand. Just because the guy doesn't know how to make his voice sound good. Why well, should he be punished? So it's an interesting thing. In other words, Somebody could lay in without the trop today. Usually you don't think it's about whether he had such a good voice, right? It's more about whether you knew the trop, right? But in the Gemara, the Gemara is saying something else. The Gemara is bringing up a new variable. What if the guy just doesn't have a good voice? What is it? He's going to be punished? The, guy, the guy's tone deaf. What do you want from him? So in other words, it doesn't make sense that he should be, that he should be punished so badly. And then I guess, I guess the point is that he doesn't like the sharp guy. Obviously, it's better to read, to read with the trop. But the point is, there's no way that there's such a bad thing. And that is the halacha. Um, you know, but the Evid, you are Yotze even without the Trap. So, based on this Gemara here, but we don't see that it's so bad. So, the Gemara says, Ella, the Amar. The Pasuk is referring to a different thing that I gave them, Chukim, which aren't good. So we have two, two more in the same town, but they're not, they're not in connection, meaning they're both big people in town, but you know, they don't speak to each other in learning. Everyone's got his own derech, they don't, they don't mix. And the idea is that it's so important that there's always like a, you know, a connection in Torah learning. And they're going to each be led to mistakes because if they don't speak over the halachas and things that come up in the town, things that they should be speaking jointly about, then they'll come to make mistakes. Says the Gemara, Anyone who holds the Sefer Torah literally bare, naked. So it means that his hands are directly touching it. That's the point. In other words, there's no chatzitza, there's nothing that's mafsim in his hand, and it shouldn't be done. You know, sometimes you're allowed to do it a lot of touch the Torah where you mamish have to, like if you're sewing it together or something like that, you mamish have to. But it, otherwise, it's considered uh, a disrespect to the Sefer Torah to touch it directly. You don't touch the Torah directly. And the, the, the punishment is, Nikvar Aram, he'll be buried bare. Meaning, nobody will care about him. They won't even pair, put on shrouds onto his body when he's being buried. He'll be buried totally naked. It says, And the question in the Gemara seems to be like, how is that such a severe punishment? No one will care about a person when he's buried. He's buried naked. Like that seems so harsh for such a light punishment. So the Gemara says, you're right. He'll be buried bare. It means he won't have any mitzvahs. Meaning, what exactly does that mean? It says the Gemara, like how do you lose your mitzvahs? Like seemingly the statement was saying, a person does all the mitzvahs, he loses the, all of his mitzvahs because he touched the Torah. It says the Gemara again, that's just too severe. It means he's buried without the mitzvah that he just did. Meaning, let's say you just read from the Torah, you lose the reward from the from just reading from the Torah if you teach the, if you read the if you touch the Sefer Torah uh, with your bare hands. So you don't lose all your mitzvahs. It's not your buried mamish. 
totally naked. It just means you, you, you become disconnected, you lose the reward for the mitzvah that you just engaged in learning Torah if you then touch the Torah directly. It's better that the cloth be rolled around it by the Sefer Torah, but the Sefer Torah should not be rolled, meaning the Sefer Torah should remain stationary. And then you take the cloth or that you're wrapping it with, and we don't really have so much cloth today, right? We, our mitzvahs are more like, you know, not so much like wrappings around, they're just more like a cover. But in the times of the Gemara, there were more wrappings that would go around the scroll. So it's saying, keep the Sefer Torah stationary and wrap it. The other way to do it would be, um, you, 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 you actually lay, lay the cloth stationary and then roll the Sefer Torah around in it. And we're saying, don't do that. It, 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 that's a disgrace to the, uh, to the Sefer Torah. Then we just quote from the Mishnah, the last point here in the Mishnah. So we said that Pashup Shah in the Pasuk is that Moshe just taught the halachas to Klai Yisrael. But we expound, Moshe gave a special mitzvah that the Kriya Satora, that every, we should read about the specific holidays on the holidays. So meaning that's why we, that was the justification for the halacha that we said, you know, that on Pesach we read from, the, from Emma or so on and so forth, all about the halachas. So Tanarabbanan, now the Gemara gives us a different angle. Moshe tikam lemi Yisrael. Moshe was talking for Klai. So she shalom and v'darshim v'nyanu shayom. They should be shol v'darish. She should ask questions. They should be shiurim, question and answers regarding the matter of that day, meaning regarding the festival of that day. Meaning there should be on the holiday. People should be learning uh, specific about that about that holiday. So in other words, it's not just the Kriya Satora. The Gemara is expounding this a little bit more. That is specific. That is also relevant. You know, just to teaching about the the general halachos. We actually saw this Gemara back on Davdalit, but the Gemara talks about with Perm is on Shabbos. That there was a din that even though we don't read the Megillah on Shabbos, but there should be a shear about Perm. There's always something where on the holiday there's a din about Shola and Vedarshin Yom. Then there's another halacha which we learned in Psachim that a person is supposed to prepare for the holiday by learning the halachos. Most of the Farshim understand both are true. There's a din you're supposed to prepare, and then there's a din that there should be shiurim about the dinam of the of the holidays on the holiday itself.